that this morning we stand clean and sinless before you. And I thank you for the greatest gift that you have given us, that you laid down your one and only son so we may be able to, yeah, to know you as our Lord and Savior. And one day we will be with you, worshiping you in spirit and in truth for eternity. And Lord, I pray we may never lose the wonder of the cross. Amen. Thank you. That's good. Let's uh, turn in our Bibles. If you'd like to follow it in your Bible, uh, in the church Bible, there'll be one in front somewhere in the seat. Um, Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews. Chapter 3 in the... Church Bible, it's on page 1171. Hebrews 3, beginning to read at verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you will will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, proved me, and saw my works for forty years. Therefore I was angry with that generation, and said, They always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. We'll finish there. Just before we look at that, just uh, if I could just mention a, a couple of things. I'll refer back to something that um, Simon mentioned. Um, a week on Saturday, we, we have... We'll be having this international evening and this Korean group from Earnhardt's church is coming together with uh, 
her pastor, um, they're coming all the way from Korea, I'm doing a pulpit swap, and, uh, well no, actually I'm not, doing but uh, they're coming over to Korea, to Korea, to, to here to Bradford to see the place, to see our work, to see Earnhardt, and uh, there's about four, I think it's 14 coming, and uh, they're, they're arriving on the Wednesday, they're going to be involved in all sorts of things in the church and outside of the church as well, and we thought it'd be great to have an evening where the whole church could meet the group. Um, and so we decided to have an international evening and uh, there'll be an international buffet there'll be a, a short program where they'll be taking part and one or two others of our international team will be taking part as well so please come we, we would like the whole church there uh, to be part of that but um, we do need to know how many so there is a sheet in the back please put your name on the sheet if you intend to come to that do make use of these prayer diaries. These are so uh, creative and thought, well thought out. A lot of thought gone into this. How to pray each day. Just a, a prayer aid as well. Do do um, use those. And that school of discipleship Simon mentioned as well. We're looking at an overview of the Bible. Uh, Tony, Pastor Tony will be doing that. And I'm looking at discipleship terms of discipleship, what a disciple is, and uh, looking at that in greater detail. So that's a, a week on Monday that starts. Let's just pray, shall we? And so our Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for being able to meet together like this. Thank you for being able to worship you, express our worship in song and prayer, and through the reading of your word and sh- sharing in communion. Lord, as we come to your word now, we pray that you'd help us to continue in that attitude of worship, where we know that worship is bowing down before you and surrendering before you. Lord, we come with that attitude and humbleness of heart. We need you to speak, Lord God, by your spirit. So take your word, take the thoughts that you've laid on my heart, and Lord, would you clearly Speak into our hearts, every one of us. May we hear you speak, your voice, and help us to respond. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last uh, Sunday is part of our Ephesians series. We we looked at the beautiful teaching in Scripture of the believer's uh, security, eternal security. We looked at Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14, which speak about the sealing of the believer by the Holy Spirit, who is given to every believer, how he he becomes the guarantee of our inheritance in Christ. We looked at how Jesus promised that those who are truly his are held in that divine double grip, the grip of the Father and of the Son. And uh, that salvation is secure, We saw how Jesus himself, he promised that he would lose none that the Father gave to him. He he would hold on to them and would raise them up at the last day. We saw how true Christians are kept by the power of God unto salvation. They're kept, uh, ready to be revealed in the last day. And all, all those scriptures spoke and speak of the divine assurances and of eternal security. And they come over and over again in the Bible. If you miss the message, please, please listen to it. 
because it ties in so much with today's message as well. You see, what about those other scriptures that seem to imply that there isn't eternal salvation, sorry, eternal um, security? What about those passages that say things like, we are to make our calling and election sure, as if it's not sure? Or the passage that says, if we endure to the end, we will be saved. Or if we hold our confidence steadfast to the end, then we will be partakers of Christ. If we endure, we shall reign with him. So all of those, wouldn't they imply that somehow you might lose that salvation? If you don't endure, if you don't keep on going. So that not every Christian will endure to the end and be saved. There are many scriptures that seem to imply that. So, what do we make of those? The scriptures we looked at last Sunday are just one side of the coin of our eternal security. The scriptures we looked at last Sunday emphasise God's part. It's God who seals us. It's God who is our guarantee. It's God who holds us. It's God who will not let us go from his hand. But there's another side to the coin of eternal security. And it's emphasised just as much in the scriptures and they emphasise our part. What's our part? What's the part that we are called to play? And I want us to look at this this morning, the other side of that coin, and it's the same coin, our eternal salvation. And there are two simple headings, prove and persevere. So first of all, we are to prove. Let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 1, and as again, as I often do, I encourage you to turn to the scriptures. It's good to look at them. You get used to where they are in the Bible, that's why it's good. Unless you've got a phone, of course, that's different. 2 Peter, chapter 1, and verse 10. 2 Peter, chapter 1, and verse 10. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently... Oops, sorry, that's 1 Peter. Just testing... Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 10 Therefore brethren be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure for if you do these things you will never stumble verse 11 for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ you see that verse 10 If you do these things, you will never stumble. Make your calling, be diligent to make your calling and election sure. Does that mean that there's an unsureness about your election? Does that mean it's sort of a fragile thing that's sort of will easily break? And it may be that God won't hold you. Is that what it's saying? We have to work hard. So that we don't break that election, as it were. But that doesn't tie in, if that's so, with the other scriptures that we looked at last week. So what's Peter saying? What he's saying is this. He's saying, make every effort 
confirm your salvation, your election. He's not, he's not saying that we're to bolster something that's easily breakable, that will, well, it might not last, it's fragile. But we are to confirm by how we live that we are truly, truly saved. So if you've got an NIV, it says, verse 10, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. You see, God's sure. God's sure that you're saved, if you're saved. God knows that. There's, uh, there's a certainty in God. He, he's chosen you from eternity past. He's not going to let you go. He knows about that. He's very sure. But how can you be sure? How do you know? We say, I've got the witness of the Spirit. Yeah, but you can be deceived. We can deceive ourselves. So how do you know? How, how can you be sure? He says it here. He, you can be sure by living out. By showing in your life the evidence that your life is in Christ. By showing the life of Christ. By living out. By, by, by showing holiness of life. By showing love for Jesus. By, by showing hatred of sin. By showing growth. That's how you can be sure that your salvation is sure. Interestingly, earlier in that passage in 2 Peter 1, verse uh, 5 to 8, so there, he's talking about growing. We need to add. We need to add to our faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love what's he he's talking about spiritual growth he's talking about going on with god that's the evidence that gives you the assurance and makes sure that your election is sure is certain that's what he's saying so, so Martin Lloyd-Jones, he, put it, he puts it like this. The proof of our having truly received the grace of God in Jesus Christ is that we are living a righteous life. That's the proof. Warren Wiersbe in his uh, commentary, he said, it's not our profession of faith that guarantees that we are saved. It is our progression in faith that gives us that assurance. It's not our profession. Many people have professed Christ, but they're nowhere with Christ now. What, what it is, it's our progression. How do, you, how do you know you're saved? Well, you know it because you're going on with God. You're showing it in your life. You see, I, I can never say, well, now I'm, I know I'm saved, I'm secure, I'm, I, I can sit back, I can live as I please. If there's no evidence of spiritual growth in my life, then I've got no guarantee that I'm saved. That's what, that's what Peter is saying. He said, but I made a decision. But I, I, I put my hand up, or I went to the front, or I was counseled, or I prayed a prayer. That is not the guarantee that you are saved. 
There's got to be the outworking. The Spirit of God will show himself in your life. That's how you prove your election. That's how you prove, and I prove, my salvation. The Bible only promises assurance to those Christians whose spiritual life is growing. The Reformers used to speak of three means of assurance. Three ways that you knew, know that you were saved. First of all, there are the promises of Scripture. Secondly, there's the witness of the Spirit. And thirdly, there's the fruit of holiness in lives. Those are the three means of assurances. And a true Christian will have all three. You will know the word of God. There will be an echo in your soul that that is right. I have eternal life. There will be the witness within. And there will be the fruit of holiness. There will be a life shown that you are truly Christ. And so Peter says, Make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. You will never stumble into doubt. You will never stumble into despair. You will never stumble into fear or questioning. Because you're living it, you're showing it. There's the evidence in your life. I was trying to think of a, an illustration. I think it, just picture a graduate, university graduate, who's passed his, got his degree. And he's applied for a job, he's sat the interview, and he's got the job. First day, he turns up, and the boss says, Reet lad, he's a Yorkshireman, of course. He says, Reet lad, he says, prove yourself. Prove yourself. Show me what you've got. And what he's saying is, right, you've got the qualifications, I want to see that. I want, to, I want you to show me that you've got what it takes. Live it out. Show it. There's a great example of this in, in uh, a film called The Firm. Tom Cruise, Gene Hackman, watched it many years ago now. And in this f- f- film, Tom Cruise plays a top Harvard University graduate. He's, 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 he's just qualified, top of his class there at Harvard University as a lawyer. And he's applying for a job at this very prestigious law firm. And in the, in the interview, the bosses of the, this top-notch law firm, they put an envelope on the table with the offer that they're going to make him, money-wise, if he joins the firm. And before he reaches out to pick it up, they say, no, don't pick it up. You tell us what we're going to offer you. So he has to use his skills as a top lawyer to work out what they're offering. And what they're saying is, right, son, prove it. You've got all the qualifications, now show it. Show us how good you are. And of course he does it brilliantly, because he's Tom Cruise. (laughs) He gets a job. Unfortunately, it's a mafia outfit, but anyway, I don't want to spoil it for you. So Peter says this, make your election short. Prove it. Show it. Live it out. That's why he, uh, he says elsewhere, Paul says elsewhere, examine yourselves. Test yourselves whether you really are in the faith. Is, 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 there evidence? is there evidence that you love Jesus? Is there really evidence? Is, 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 is that clear? Make sure you really are a believer in Christ. 
in the church today, sadly, there's what I would call easy believism. I'm talking about the church in general, really. There's, there's this atmosphere which says, you know, one-time decision to accept Christ as Saviour, but not necessarily surrendering to him as Lord. You know, as long as you've made that decision, then you are, you are a Christian. But the Word of God actually says that just a bare assent to the Gospel, just to an acceptance, yeah, I believe it, if it doesn't lead to a changed life, there's no guarantee that you're a Christian. In fact, it's likely that you're not. So give proof that you're truly saved. Secondly, we're called to persevere. And again, this is the human response to God's choosing and predestination. The Bible doesn't say, once saved, always saved, and then you can live as you like. It never says that. What it does say is, if you are a child of God, you will reveal it. And you'll persevere to the end. Let's turn to that passage I read. I'm going to read it in the NIV. It's Hebrews 3. Sorry, yes, Hebrews 3, verse 12. Hebrews 3, verse 12. See to it, brothers that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart. By the way, when he says brothers, it's, it's like he's, he's speaking to a mixed congregation. There may be non-believers in. Like I might say, brothers and sisters, but I know that there may be those who don't really know the Lord. So he's, he's, it's a general word there to a wider congregation. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Note this, verse 14. We have come to share in Christ, if we hold firmly till the end, the confidence we had at first. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction to the end. Does that mean that we can lose our salvation? Does that mean that if I don't hold that conviction to the end, that I had at the beginning, that I won't be saved? Well, if you're really saved, you will hold your conviction to the end. That, that's what it's saying. The evidence of you sharing in the life of Christ is a persevering faith. You have an enduring faith. And he says exactly the same thing if you go back in chapter 3 to verse 5, or a similar thing, verse 5 and 6. So he says, Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future, but Christ is faithful as a son. He's comparing Moses as, as a servant to Christ as a son. Verse 6, But Christ is faithful as a son of a God's house, and we are his house if we hold on to our courage and the hope which we boast. If 
So how do you know that you are truly a, a son or a daughter of, of, of God? If you're holding on. That's the proof. That's the evidence. The, the theologians call this the perseverance of the saints. And it's the teaching that true believers... Now, true believers may experience struggles. They may experience sin, and they will. We all sin. They may experience backsliding. They may experience problems in life when they go away from the Lord. But the perseverance of the saints teaches that through that all, their fa- that all of that, their faith will not be destroyed. They will keep going. There'll, there'll be a stirring back. There'll be a... a Deep within, there'll be a, a real sorrow for sin. A real grieving. Even in a backslidden state, there'll be a, a grief within. They will keep going. They will return. Of course, some people, some Christians can die in their sin. I know that. And 1 Corinthians 11 says that, doesn't it? If you know 1 Corinthians 11 about the communion service, God actually judged some believers who were out of fellowship with each other and they were spoiling communion and God actually judged them. He took their life away. They died in their sin. But they were saved. But they were saved, yet so as by fire, the scripture says. that they, 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 would, they were not faithful. I know that's true and, and, and this is where it's... Uh, we're talking about general principles here. Though, if you are saved and really saved, truly a child of God, your faith will persevere. And that's a recurring theme. Jesus said, uh, don't need to turn to this, but John 8, verse 31, it might come up on the screen. John 8, 31. If, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, You are my disciples indeed. If, conditional, if you abide. If you continue in my word, you're showing that you really are a a disciple of mine. Let's turn to Matthew 24. And I'm again still in the NIV. Matthew 24, verses 10 to 13. Matthew 24, verse 10. It's just, uh, again, similar theme. At that time, and it's a very solemn passage, Jesus said, at that time many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. There's that perseverance. That doesn't mean, of course, that standing firm to the end secures our salvation. Because salvation is by grace. But what it's saying is that those who stand firm to the end are showing that they are really saved. That's the evidence in their life. Their faith will be kept firm. So perseverance is a hallmark of genuine salvation. You're not saved because you endure. You endure because you are saved. So, if someone 
having professed Christ, turns away, goes away from the Lord. I've, I've, I know people, I can think of people now, in fact I can picture them. When I was a teenager and then into my twenties, I remember people I would be out on the streets with, witnessing and, te- and testifying with and giving leaflets out and stuff like that. I can think of teachers who've taught me. I can think at university, somebody who was instrumental, God used in my salvation to help me become a disciple of Christ who, as far as I know, is went away from the, just went away. He's nowhere now with God. Many people profess to do things. And they do. And some people turn and maybe all sorts of quest- things. I, I, again, I think of somebody who's sort of semi-related to me, who's, who, who something happened in the church. I think they were offended by somebody. And, and actually that caused them then to lose hope. And they turned away from the church. Nowhere now today. People can use Some people go through suffering and experience that and they blame God. And they turn against God. And I can think of some who even deny what they once believed. Or what they once professed to believe. You know, Jesus spoke about this. Jesus said in the parable of the sower, the seed is sown... There's good ground and, and, and that seed goes deep into the heart and it brings forth what? Fruit. Sometimes, for some that seed just brushes off so it doesn't affect them but some, the seed goes into the heart. Shallow, but it's shallow soil. It's not deep. It's not real. It's not a full commitment to Christ. And then when the thorns come or the sun comes out, that, that seed is, well, it's, it, it just dies up and shrivels. So I believe that people don't fall away from faith in Christ in the sense that they lose their salvation. It's more than likely, more than likely, they weren't Christians in the first place. It wasn't deep. It wasn't real. It's more than likely it shows a true lack of salvation. As I say, that's a general principle. Let me summarise. On one side of that eternal security coin is God's part. He secures us forever. But on the other side, there is our part. We must make our salvation, we must persevere in our faith, we must make our salvation sure by giving evidence. We must confirm our salvation. So from the divine side we are secure in our salvation because God has chosen us. From the human side we are secure in our salvation because by his power we persevere. Now that may raise questions and uh, I'm happy to talk with people uh, uh, and and, and chat through these. But I just want to finish off with this. With a question really. And it's a question I was trying to, I was pondering as I was preparing this. Why did God, by his spirit, choose to include these scriptures that we've looked at this morning and others like them in his word? I can understand him including the scriptures we looked at last week, which are encouraging and they're reassuring 
and, and, and this give you a sense of warmth and blessing and wonder at what God's done. But why would then God bring scriptures in that potentially can confuse? Like the ones we've looked at this morning. That we need to make our calling and election sure and certain. That we need to prove that we're saved. That we persevere to the end and that's the evidence. Why did the Spirit include these in his words? Let Let me give you four very brief, and they are short, brief reasons why. As As I was thinking about this. First of all, because God wants none of us to sit back on our laurels and take it easy. And we have to be on our guard against that. I know my heart. I don't know about yours. I, I just, I'm, I, I am, I am prone. I'm disposed to taking it easy. As in, I've got an easy gene <laughs> in me, and I know what it's like. I have to be stirred up. I need to be stirred up to keep going, to keep going, to keep going, because I backpedal so easily. I freewheel. And I've run out of cycling <laughs> pictures. <laughs> but that's, that's me. And isn't there a danger of that? And so we have the warnings about the need to persevere. A means of, so that we confirm our calling. That's why Peter says, be even more diligent. Do you know, don't leave any stone unturned. Be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure by showing, by showing what the life of Christ within you, by living for Christ. So these scriptures are, and other warnings, are there because they are for our good. God loves us so much that he doesn't leave us to grow cold. He doesn't leave us sort of to, to, to cool off and grow distant. He knows that we need to be spurred up. And so he brings these scriptures in, in, in and puts them there so that they find an echo in my heart which says, I want to persevere. I want to keep going. I want to endure to the end. That, that's the spirit within me. A second reason I believe God, by his spirit, has included these challenges to endure and persevere is because he longs for us to finish well. He longs for us to finish well. And that we should receive the full reward in heaven for faithfulness and for faithful service. Just going back to 2 Peter, just very quickly. 2 Peter 1 and uh, verse 10. Um, Yep, 2 Peter 1 verse 10. He says, therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble for, so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. For an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly. It's a, it's a, apparently it's a, it's a term that the Greeks, ancient Greeks used to describe the reward for those who won their Olympic Games. And so, Peter's saying, look, make your calling and election sure, so that you'll receive the reward. 
you'll finish well. God doesn't just want you as a believer to scrape through into heaven. He wants you to finish well. He wants me. The Bible speaks about those who are saved yet, by, yet so as by fire. There was that fire, the refining fire, will we'll just burn up the dross. So he wants me and you to live out our Christian lives investing in those things which are eternal. He wants us to keep going. Third reason why I believe God's included these warnings and exhortations is because he wants us to experience real assurance. He wants you to know that you're saved. He wants you to enjoy that assurance. And if I'm not bearing the fruit of the Spirit of love and joy and peace and long-suffering, gentleness and goodness and faith, self-control, if I'm not, and I, I cannot have that assurance. That's, those are the hallmarks of true faith. Kevin, <coughs> excuse me, Kevin DeYoung, um, he's, I, I love his books, and uh, he, I'm not sure if it was in one of his books or, or, or a, a message, but I, he, he gives a, an example of a pastor. <coughs> and this pastor was counselling a couple who were home on furlough as, as missionaries. And the wife clearly felt that she was in a loveless marriage. An unhappy marriage because her husband was distant and disinterested and often absent. And he wasn't a particularly good husband. And she said quite openly in this, in this talk with uh, Kevin de Young, in this sorry, with this pastor, that she was actually considering having an affair. And that she felt absolutely no remorse about it because of her husband's behaviour. And this is what the pastor said to her. He said, if you continue down that path, and if you continue in the action that you have laid out for yourself, then I can give you no assurance that you're a Christian. And she was absolutely offended by this. And she said, how dare you? I've given my life to Christ. I'm, I'm a missionary. I'm serving Christ. And he said to her, if you go along that course, I can give you no assurance that you really are a Christian. Well, much later on, she wrote to him. And she continued to write one letter once a year to thank him. And she said this. She said, nobody talked to me that way before. Nobody dared show me what an affront to God my sin was and what it was reflecting about my heart. And all he was doing was he was being faithful to God's word and very courageous and loving. God wants us to have that assurance. And then lastly, I believe the Holy Spirit has given us these warnings and exhortations in his word because he wants us to be really sure that we are truly Christians. Because there is a great danger of false profession that we think we are. 
It's been said this, it's been said that churches today are filled with people who hold a faith that does not save. And if that's true, that is tragic. James spoke of a faith that was dead. Faith that didn't work. So I believe God challenges us in his word. And he's saying, look, is there evidence in your life that you're a believer? Are you growing? Are you moving on with God? Are you hungry for the word of God? Are you, do you love the things that Jesus loves? Are you concerned for what he's concerned for? Is there fruit of the Spirit in your life? If not, are you really saved? Do you you really know Christ? Because if not, the answer is no. Or more than likely no. And that's why I believe God's put these warnings in his word. He's not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. It seems to me that God in these promises, if I can put it like this, he's giving an almighty shove to those who are not really saved to move into commitment to Christ, to move into a place where they yield their lives to Jesus, not with the head, but with the heart, to come to Christ. So do you know that you're saved? Do you know? If there isn't that evidence, or you know that deep within you've never really come to the Lord, then I would plead with you to do that, to come to Christ. And uh, kneel at the foot of the cross. Oh, it's at the cross where Christ died. And we've got to come there. We've got to start there in humility, in brokenness, and, and ask for God's forgiveness and say sorry to him. And in faith, embrace Jesus with all of your heart. And then if we believe it and we love the Lord, move on with him. Don't settle back. Don't, don't, don't ease off. Don't take your foot off the pedal. With God's grace, keep persevering. Because God wants, he loves you so much. And he wants you to have that wonderful assurance. And to finish well. Amen. Let's uh, pray. Just be quiet, shall we? Let's uh, respond to the Word of God. It may be just one thing that you're going to take away from this that will help you and build you up. It may be something that God's put his finger on in your heart and in your life that you know you need to deal with. It may be that you realize you need to dedicate yourself afresh to God in a new way and really lay your life down before him. Or it may be that you want to reach out in faith and ask for forgiveness for not trusting in Jesus wholly and ask for forgiveness for your sin and come to a place of real trust 
for salvation so that you can be absolutely certain. Take this uh, few minutes of quiet to respond. So Father God, we thank you. Thank you for the encouragements in your word. Lord, encouragements that spur us on to love you more and to live for you. But thank you also for the warnings in your word. Almighty God, you warn us because you love us deeply. You have a deep abiding love for each one here. So Lord, help us to respond to your word and heed those warnings. Because we want to be close to you. We want to walk with God. We want to be filled with the spirit of God. We want to finish well. We want to be honoring to him in our lives. And so, Lord, help us, we pray. Help us to be honest with ourselves. Would you search us? Would you just give us insights into our own heart, into our own condition, so that we can respond because of your grace and love? In Jesus' name. Amen. At the end of the service, I'll give opportunity for any who want to pray and be prayed for, just to come to the front and ask the prayer team to to join us. Um, About anything, anything that's uh, been said this morning, or perhaps that you brought in and you just feel you need someone to pray with you. We're going to sing a song which is a, a prayer to God, that he would search us, and... Uh, it's a, again, it's a helpful but searching hymn. Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Lord, and know my thoughts, I pray. And see if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. Let's stand to sing. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And may you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.